the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, and uh, good afternoon to you on this wet, rainy uh, Wednesday. And uh, almost... um Almost fell victim to a hostile takeover here. My engineer came in and said, get in that studio or I'm going to do the show without you, which uh, we might log as a public service and might even improve ratings. <laughs> Good afternoon to you. Good to have you on board on this uh, wet, rainy Wednesday, as I say. Hope you're driving uh, safe and sound. Going to get a little bit of a, a respite, a little bit of a break from the rain tomorrow. And it looks like back at it again Friday and in through the weekend. So we prayed for rain. We're getting it. Hope you're being safe out there. And as you head home or wherever you might be off to on this uh, Wednesday, it's always a privilege to keep you company. And on today's program, much to talk about. Uh, We're here at the start of a new year, so we thought we'd get a number of updates. We'll talk a bit about uh, legislation in California as it relates, uh, relates specifically to sex slavery. You wouldn't think in 20. 23 now that we'd still be waging these battles. But it is California, after all. Rochelle Connor, legislative liaison with the Concerned Women for America California chapter, will join us a little bit later on in the program. As well, Will Brian Johnston. There was some movement on the pro life front in uh, D.C. today. Uh, the House has approved a bill. We'll find out from Brian what it's all about and whether or not there's any likelihood that it will survive a vote in the Senate. Right now, to kick things off, you know, as we all make the New Year's resolutions and promise to um, eat better, get more exercise, do the right thing, refocus our priorities. Uh, sadly, oftentimes, by the time we make it to the end of the month, all of that has kind of gone by the wayside. But maybe this year. Maybe this year, with the right kind of coaching, we can all do a better job at purposing in our hearts and minds to change the way we're kind of feeling stuck. And I think that's perhaps a common experience for so many folks in a COVID and post-COVID environment. It just seems as if, um, for a lot of us, we just can't get a break. And if you do get a break, it turns out to be a leg. Well, let's get some insights on how you can build a brand new you in 2023. We're joined by dear friend Don Damon, founder of Break. Braveheart Mentor Coaching. Don is an award-winning author, recently retired pastor, and host of Bravehearted Woman Podcast. And Don, Happy New Year to you. Welcome. Thank you so much, and Happy New Year to you, too. I love getting started in a fresh, new, clean slate, new beginning. 
white canvas, ready to roll for goals and dreams this year. And, you know, so so much of this, Don, you know, we, we kind of tend to focus on uh, the physical meaning, getting back to the gym and losing all of those pounds that we put on over the holidays or uh, changing our circumstances at work. And while all that is well and good, a lot of it, I suppose, really begins with uh, a change in your mindset. And I'll also call it a heart set. Let's talk a bit yeah. about this, specifically as we work toward um, changing our um, our direction in life. And of course, the change in direction, I think, almost uh, presupposes the notion that you have an idea of what direction you'd like to head in, or, or perhaps more accurately put, the idea of having a vision. Now, Scripture tells us that without vision, yeah. my people perish. That certainly is true. And I think, sadly, for a lot of us, we can say, well, we don't know where we want to go. We just don't don't know we know we don't want to be where we're at <laughs> right exactly well you're that's so completely true without a vision we're going to perish and without a compelling vision that pulls us forward we really lack the motivation to get up in the morning even vision is the most important thing that someone can have clarity of purpose why are you here what is it you're about what is it that you're trying to accomplish And so when we do these New Year's resolutions, you just said it. It's so funny because it's like, I want to make more money. I want to lose weight. I want to read more. And so, you know, here's a dollar. You just made more money. Is that your, is that it? But the problem with New Year's resolutions are they're not compelling enough. They're not specific enough. There's no deadline to them. They're not clear enough. They're very vague. And if you have vague goals, you're going to have vague results. So we say be super clear. And that takes time, Craig. It takes, you know, I heard a a saying today, and I just thought it was so great that we are cognitive misers. Mm. We don't like to just sit and think and reflect for a while and just go deep. Like, what is it that you do want out of life? What is it that God is calling you to? And so that vision is critically important. And it's not just going to drop from the sky. It takes grab your journal, get alone with God, be quiet, focus, meditate, and really draw from the depth of your being, your heart set, like you said, in your mindset, what is my life supposed to be about? And anyone who has ever headed out on a vacation trip, not knowing where you're going, where you're staying, you just know you want a different uh, view than the one from home, uh, you're, you're likely going to have a tough time getting there. And once you arrive, how do you know it? <laughs> so uh, having that sense of vision, critically important at the start of the new year, and, and, and maybe companion to that, too, is along with it, a sense of confidence. And, and particularly so when it comes to a sense of um, self-value, self-worth, the person that you see in the mirror. Uh, I think so many of us, we're, we're so accustomed to being abused and beaten down by life and experiences and by people that at the end of the day, we, we, we tend to see ourselves as a mess and a failure. And, of course, it becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy in that sense, as opposed to really seeing ourselves in the manner in which Christ sees us. So true. And you know that like an iceberg, um, 70 to 80 percent of what is operating in our life, what is perpetuating our behavior 
And feeding those mindsets are really found in the unconscious mind. And so once again, so important to do that work that that unconscious mind, that's where those false beliefs are, those negative outlooks. You might, you might give mental assent to I am who God says I am. But what's operating there in that below the surface and that's why we have to renew our mind and be intentional. Do What am I thinking? Do I have a growth mindset? Do I have gratitude? Am I living like a victim? Am I thinking like a victim? Do I feel like a failure? Do I have scarcity instead of generosity? Do I think that, you know, small steps don't matter and so why bother? All of those mindsets working together and again, so much, a large percentage of everything that we're doing is found in the unconscious mind. So imperative to do, again, that deep inner work to say, let me think about what I'm really thinking about. What really is driving my behavior? Why don't I have an outlook for victory and hope and, and imagine greatness in my life? Gathering that sense of, uh, of fortitude to get us through the year um, is is all a part of this step along that way. That 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 ability to kind of you know uh, pull pull our act together, pull ourselves together, and uh, and face whatever the challenge it might be. To which all of these components, having a vision, having a sense of of, of a confident Christ centered identity. And then the other thing too, and I know that I even get tripped up on this, the old adage of the impact of stinking thinking. <laughs> the 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 notion that, you know, as, as we think of ourselves and 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 view ourselves, uh, it, it can sadly again uh, be a major stumbling block if we don't learn what it means to put on the mind of Christ and to understand that we we can torpedo our own best intentions and even hardest efforts if we have a really negative, almost a, a false belief about ourselves. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You can never rise above the level of your self-worth. So if you don't think you deserve, and again, those feelings might be unknown to you, but if you don't think you're worthy, you won't. If you think you can't do it, you won't. If you don't think you deserve something amazing in your life, you won't have something amazing in your life. We can never outperform our self-image. And so that's why it's so important. I think there's like three identities that we have. We have the, the created identity that God gave us, wonderfully and fearfully made, as the psalm tells us. And then there's that redemptive identity where Jesus paid the price, rescued us, redeemed us, purchased us back and said, now you're holy, you're beautiful, you're righteous, you're perfect, you're an overcomer. That's our position, though experientially we're still walking that out. And then there's the self-image that we have, and that self-image has to submit to the truest thing about us, which is what God says. But if we don't, that's that. That's where that gap is between here's where I believe I'm supposed to be, here's where I am, how do I make it through the matrix and, and start surrendering those false beliefs and those lies that are operating in my life and really step into that identity. And, and, and I'm uh, curious... Again, it- 
is there sort of a, a, a companion aspect to this in that um, I, I wonder, you know, we can we can have the proper mindset. And, and I think all of us know people, maybe even ourselves, if we're, we're honest, when we look in the mirror, that might have one mindset, but speak in an entirely different fashion. And by that, I mean, I, I wonder how much of an impediment or a roadblock it can be toward accomplishing the goals that we set out in in life and relationships and careers and ministry and so forth, if we think one way, but then every time we speak, it's always negativity, negativity, negativity. Is that a potential mm-hmm. roadblock or stumbling block? Without a doubt it is. And the Bible is very clear. It's not a joke. There's power in the tongue, either life or death. Proverbs eighteen twenty one tells us, so we can speak death. We can we can curse ourselves with the very words of our mouth. If I told you today, hey, everything that you say today is going to come true, how would you talk? How would you change your vocabulary and your speech? Would you begin to speak words of life? You would at least try it, but at the end of the day, you would maybe find that, oh man, I'm programmed to speak more negative words than I realized. And until I became really intentional about it, I didn't realize it. Words create worlds. And so speaking those affirmations, speaking those blessings over our life, are, it's very critically important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, over, overcomers yeah, by the power of the word, and it's not only his word, but our own words as well. If we're if we're caught in a rut, we're stuck in a rut, and continue to be negative about not just our our, uh, our thinking, but our the way we speak, that can indeed be that stumbling block. Finally, and and this is maybe one of those it needs to be first and last <laughs> on the list, and that is you can have the right approach, the right plan, the right goals, you've checked in with God, you know that you're on the right track, and then, like anything, you know, um, there's there's a gulf between actions and intentions. We intend to get back to the gym, we intend to do the right thing, and then we just never quite get up the muster to get out there and do it. So I suppose it's one thing to be about the business of goal setting, but uh, goal getting or, or obtaining those goals really re- uh, it, it makes it incumbent upon us to engage in action, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. At some point, we have to have fierce execution and just get it done. And I like James Clear. He wrote the book, Atomic Habits. And one of the quotes that really sticks with me is he says, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our system or our habits. So habits are the safety net. So motivation doesn't come discipline sometimes doesn't even come but if you have powerful habits that serve you well you can continue to move forward by the way you know motivation follows action so if you're waiting around to feel like it you're going to be waiting a long time but we got to have fierce execution and here's one of the mindsets that i love and that is again another book that's been written but it's small steps make all the difference not these quantum leaps we think well when i can really do something no and john maxwell talks about the law of the axe if i go outside and i want to knock down a big tree but i just hit it with the axe five times every day eventually that tree's coming down and if we would just take baby steps 
strategic steps towards our goal, just moving the needle forward little bits at a time. It doesn't have to be this huge, gigantic leap. The Bible says steady plotting brings prosperity. So I'm a big, huge fan for slight edge. Just some push-ups are better than no push-ups. You got it. And you, when you think about some of the huge uh, skyscrapers in places like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and you, you crane your neck looking up and think, how did they ever do that? Well, they did it one floor at a time. It's like the old adage, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Some solid advice to start off the new year with Don Damon. Don, we needed like an hour to have this discussion. Who produces this show anyway? We, <laughs> we'll have to get you back on when we're not uh, cramped by time. I'm Don Damon. Information available on the web. Go to her website at Don Damon, D-A-W-N-D-A-M-O-N, DonDamon.com. And uh, well, we're going we're gonna to persuade her to come back on the show here real quickly and dive into some of these uh, important lessons to start a new year. Um, and we'll do that real soon. Don, thank you so much for the time. 522 from KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. In a state like California, where there are so many degrees of crime being rampant, particularly in relationship to things like um, slavery and sex trafficking, and don't think that it doesn't still happen. I mean, we hear quite often reports and stories in the news of individuals who maybe get involved with a coyote, which is a person who essentially smuggles people, pay them huge amounts of money, indebt themselves for even larger amounts of money, and then are told, well, I'll get you to the United States, but then you're going to have to work for me for a while here. And of course, in a country with no documentation, no connections, no money, no ability to even speak the language, you suddenly find yourself a slave. And this sadly quite often happens with young women. In California, there was a passage late last year of Senate Bill 357, which is phenomenally ignorant because it, it, it takes away one of the most effective tools that law enforcement used to have to deal with people that have been caught up in sex trafficking and are essentially slaves. To find out more about this and um, an attempt to try and reverse it, we're joined by Rochelle Connor, legislative liaison with the California chapter of Concerned Women for America. It's sad that on the beginning of the new year here, Rochelle, we have to have a serious conversation like this, but uh, given the fact that January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, I think it's appropriate that taxpayers and listeners be aware of what their California state legislature has done and And how Senate Bill 357, under the guise of trying to decriminalize loitering, in fact, really takes the ability of law enforcement to intervene and protect the very people that sadly are victims to sex trafficking. Tell us more about SB 357 and an attempt to try and and right this wrong. Thank you, Craig, so much for having me on your program. Yes, Concerned Women for America, we were in strong opposition to Senate Bill 357 last year. And many of the um, human trafficking organizations that opposed human trafficking, they were very involved in contacting the legislature. And the point of SB 357, as you well stated, was to decriminalize loitering, 
with the intent to commit prostitution. Well, as you mentioned, this ties the hand of law enforcement officers and prohibits them from having the ability to arrest potential trafficking victims, uh, to really rescue them, to provide them with safety and services. Well, the approach that SB 357 takes is one to basically uh, a step forward into decriminalizing prostitution on a whole. And this is sex slavery. So they tied law enforcement's hands by not allowing them to uh, rescue um, young women and even now young men um, as potential um, sex slaves from the traffickers. And so law enforcement now is their hands are tied. However, uh, Senate Bill SB 14, which has been introduced in this legislative session by Senator Shannon Groves, is an attempt to make human trafficking a serious and violent felony. Under California law, human trafficking is not a serious felony or a violent crime. And so with SB 14, This bill is redefining human trafficking as both serious and violent in California Penal Code. Last year, there were over 3,000 letters of support um, and online signatures in support of the bill. Last year was SB 1042 in order to help pass this bill. This year, there is bipartisan support for SB 14. And so what we are doing is we are trying to let people know that human trafficking um, basically in California ranks number one in the nation. California, according to the National Human Trafficking Hotline, is the number one place for human trafficking. And even the California Attorney General noted that um, we are one of the largest sites in the United States. This, as you mentioned, is modern-day slavery, and it's the fasting fastest growing enterprise at an estimated $150 billion a year. That's global, $150 billion a year. These victims primarily are young children, ages 11 to 12. And so they are exploited by traffickers into selling their bodies and the traffickers benefit from it. And the victims, of course, they're forced to have sex with maybe 15 strangers a day. And if they don't meet a quota, they get beaten, they are deprived of food, and traffickers, they use not only physical violence, but psychological and emotional manipulation. They might threaten the victim, they might threaten the victim's family, they uh, have subject to be raped, they even burn them, they brand them. Now, you know, branding goes back to slavery back in the 1700s. That is what the slave traffickers would do. They would brand the slaves so that the slave, wherever they went, it was known that they were property or chattel of a particular plantation owner. Well, these traffickers are doing the very same thing. Many of them brand these young children so that other traffickers know to whom that child belongs. Well, this strips away the identity of the individual and they became chattel. That is what happens. And it is a psychological trauma that is on par with PTSD. Many of these young people, they su- they suffer not only from violence, but um, also they, uh, STDs, uh, substance abuse, 
chronic medical conditions. They may suffer from major depression and other mental health disorders. So this is a huge problem in California. And SB 14 would put that human trafficking definition under a violent felony. And that would also, it would also be added to the three strikes law, which is not where it is now. Basically, it's kind of a misdemeanor. Well, that encourages traffickers. It encourages buyers. It does nothing to help the victims, but it does everything to help the bad guys. And so we want to support that bill, and we want people to understand they pray, they can get involved, they can go to... um, Shannon uh, Grove's website. They can sign the online petition and get involved. Concerned Women for America, we have local prayer chapters who pray, who educate um, the citizens about what's going on in the California legislature and how they can be involved to help make a difference. And you know, Rochelle, what I find so remarkable about this, and, and not in a good way, in a day and an age when there is heightened sensitivity towards um, uh, attitudes and actions of misogyny, the Me Too movement, um, the increased spotlight and awareness on lack of parity and employment, uh, disparity between incomes, men versus women, all of these issues. And yet somehow this seems to be a topic where uh, particularly those on the, the uh, liberal side of the continuum kind of shrug their shoulders as if out of apparent unbelievable degrees of ignorance think that women choose this as a profession. I mean, the the abundance of information that is out there from people who have uh, escaped the lifestyle and, and have kind of gone over that, that litany of, of, of horrors that you just mentioned a moment ago, and yet, sadly, instead of the California state legislature saying, let's be the state that leads the way to protect particularly women, but all individuals who are victims of uh, sex trafficking, instead of doing everything we can in an all-out effort to try and bring the criminals to justice and 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 bring a means of escape to those that get caught up in this, we, we, we instead are effectively creating legislation, like in the case of SB 357, where those that really benefit from it are the Johns. I mean, it's just, it's just phenomenal, the, 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 the lack of clarity in thinking here. I I agree 100% with that, Craig, and I think that's the reason why many people need to become involved. They need to become aware of legislation when bills such as SB 357 are being passed, and they need to contact their legislator, and they need to let them know that this is not acceptable, that children, these victims need support, they need help to exit the life, they need to be rescued instead of being, um, the traffickers being facilitated by such bad legislation as SB 357. But we are encouraged with SB 14 and the bipartisan support that that bill has. And I believe when the laws change and it becomes a serious and violent uh, felony, that then there is teeth that law enforcement can go after these traffickers. But as long as we give them a slap on the wrist and turn our head the other way, many, many more young people, their lives will be completely destroyed. And there are many organizations that are working diligently to help these young people escape uh, being slave traded is what it is. And so we have to be aware 
we have to pray, and then we have to act. We have to put action to our prayers. And that's what Concerned Women for America is all about. We are all about empowering the citizenry to promote uh, biblical values and constitutional principles through prayer, education, and advocacy. And I believe as people are empowered with information, that they will respond. And that empowerment also, I think, reaches to law enforcement. We need to give them more tools to be able to protect and rescue those that are victims of these kinds of crimes, not taking those tools away. It just, it's, so, it's so misguided, it, it's, it's astonishing, but then I pinch myself and remember, oh, that's right, it's California. Information available on the web, concernwomen.org, concernwomen.org. Um, Rochelle made reference to a Senate Bill uh, 14 that uh, is being put forward by Senator Grove. Information available on the web if you go to Senator Grove. Grove's website. You can Google it and find out. Take a look at Senate Bill 14. Our thanks to Rochelle Connor, legislative liaison with the California chapter of Concerned Women for America. 536 from KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Shifting gears from the mess that is California. (laughs) Let's look at Washington, D.C. Today, the House approved Born Alive abortion bill, the legislation would require health care providers to preserve the life of an infant in the rare case a baby is born alive during or after an attempted abortion. Health providers who fail to do so could face fines and or jail time. It's the first abortion-related legislation passed by the new Republican House majority, although likely with the Democrat-controlled Senate, well, you can only imagine. Let's get more on this story. Brian Johnston joins us, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee, author of the best-selling book, The Evil Twins, Roe and Doe, How the Supreme Court Unleashed Medical Killing, and host of Life Matters, Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. here on KFAX. And Brian, a very happy new year to you. Missed uh, chatting with you here over uh, the the last couple of months, but uh, back together again. And uh, good news certainly out of Washington, D.C. with the passage of, at least on the House side, this legislation. And, And while we have lingering concerns over the Senate for obvious reasons, that's not the only good news tonight on the pro life front. Well, that's right. And Craig, thanks. It is good to be back. I know not many people may know this, but I know that you are the right-hand man for Salem in the entire Bay Area, and it isn't just KFAX. So I know you've been busy, sir. Appreciate all that you do. And I think I have to say I appreciate Salem and KFAX in particular because the media at large does not serve the public's purpose and interest they don't get the facts about these things to them if you're if you're informed about the pro-life issue it is not in a favorable way so you're right the uh the new congress is making good on its word and you explained it exactly right we have a situation that this is going to go to the senate and because the senate is controlled by the democrat party uh it will die there unfortunately but we actually had a law, and if it got out, it would have to go to the president. And those of you who know the policies of this president know what uh, what he would do with it. But this Born Alive Infant Protection Act is something that is common sense. And I'll be honest with you, we have had that in California. And it was our pointing that out, that it's on the books, 
in California, but it simply was not being enforced by the Newsom administration. And we got letters, we did a FOIA request, and in California, we had that on the books, and Governor Duke Majin actually had implemented that. But there's a principle in the law, and it's what's known as prosecutorial discretion. And folks in San Francisco know what that means. If the law is broken, well, it's up to somebody, a prosecutor, someone with agency to prosecute that. And if they don't want to, or if they say we don't have the time, or we don't think it's that important, it is simply not prosecuted. So that's what was happening in California. And we were casting light on that. That's one of the reasons we saw this happen in California. They were afraid that with the overturn of Roe, that this would mean that would come back. So they passed the opposite. It was made law last year, AB 2223, which basically not only allows late-term abortion and causing late-term abortion by non-physicians, but should that baby then be born, there would be no prosecution. And so that is now the law in California because of AB 2223. But up until last year, we had this as the law in California. So thankfully, we have to keep pointing this out. And the new Republican majority is willing to do that. So we need to be thankful. But we need to point out these great evils that are going on. We tend to culturally, because of the dominant media, we tend to go to sleep on these issues. And they want to lull us to sleep. And they want to be silent about these great evils. But the odds are, when your neighbor who doesn't go to church, who who doesn't consider themselves pro-life, when they know that these kinds of things happen, a child is born alive and is on the operating table and is intentionally killed and thrown into a bucket, that's, that's deeply alarming to the average person. So objective facts is part of the job of being pro-life, not just for me and not just for you, Craig, but for all of us as normal people, our normal inclination and your neighbor's normal inclination to say, you know, I'm sorry, that goes too far. That's a human baby. So, yep, that was a great thing in D.C. today. And I think we need to recognize there's going to be change as long as we keep reminding people of the truth, of facts. And the facts are on our side, and they're terrible things to waste. So we need to point these things out, and it's it's getting through. So that's great news. We're we're also seeing, and it's interesting. It's you know we, we kind of predicted this was going to happen following the uh, the vacating of Roe v. Wade that it would be a sort of patchwork quilt between certain states and other states. Some like California. We know sadly the direction that that has headed in. Uh, but there's been other states that have really done a, a pretty phenomenal job at standing up for life. Um, recently, we've seen um, laws passed, for example, in Alabama. And elsewhere, give us a sense of sort of your thirty thousand foot high perspective on where the overall issue stands when it comes to doing or accomplishing greater inroads 
in protecting life, uh, certainly states, again, like California notwithstanding, but the, the overall picture, how does it look? Well, I think it does. It's exactly what you described, Craig, that we have people who are waking up. And the thing about our issue, it's very, very important to realize the average person. And I've known this nationally in national polls. And years ago in California, there was a thing called the California poll that was conducted by the L.A. Times every year. And then they stopped and they would ask for specific aspects of abortion opinion in California, and it mirrored what national polls said. And that's this. Many people think, well, abortion should be available for those really hard situations. People are compassionate. And so they've been sold the idea, well, this abortion is because is it's really needed for a hard situation, or it's really, really, really early in pregnancy, and okay, they'll put up with that. But the more details you go into, the average Californian, and this includes Democrats, the average Californian does not support unlimited abortion on demand and government funding and promotion. Now, remember, by government funding, we're talking about marketing. Marketing, what Planned Parenthood needs that abortionist actually needs a young pregnant woman in order to be an abortionist. And so that's the object of their marketing, these young pregnant women. You're paying for that. That's entirely funded by your money. And in California, it doesn't matter the stage of pregnancy. That baby will be killed in California. And you just don't ask. Don't talk about it. Just hush it up. And we have to recognize, no, this is going on. But more importantly, and this is kind of my message, Craig, I believe the pro-life movement is actually the heart of where America is at. Most Americans do not agree with what's going on. They just have been lied to. And so, again, the recent Rasmussen poll last year of just California voters, and it included Democrats. Only 13% agreed with Planned Parenthood. 13% agreed that abortion should be available at any time for any reason or no reason in particular. You don't need a reason if it's for choice. And that is the abortionist definition. It's for choice. The woman chooses to be unpregnant. End of story. Shut up. No more discussion. And it won't be made public. See, a lot of these things are quite disturbing the more normal people know about it. So one of my goals and purposes is to underscore the fact that the pro-life movement is not about religious extremists. It's not about that at all. In fact, as you and I know, this isn't about my faith. This is not about my faith. I have a faith. This is about objective facts, and, you know, for the same, I'm against anthrax. I am personally opposed to anthrax, and my religion's got nothing to do with that. Anthrax kills human beings. So the objective fact is this is killing human beings. It behooves us to focus on those facts, and the more we do that, 
the more we remind people of what is going on and show it to the media will not do this for you. The media will, in fact, misrepresent you. The media will put hats on your head and tinfoil hats and kooky things and have you portrayed as a nutbird. But you're not. If you care about other human beings, well, that's the beginning of caring. That's your pro-life. That's the starting point. And then when you get the facts, then, and that's true of all of us, the more you know. So we want people to know and understand. You mentioned different states. I'm excited about Idaho. Idaho now has had its Supreme Court. There was a serious court case by Planned Parenthood and company and the professional abortion industry, and they lost. But Idaho has some excellent laws. I won't go into the details, but this was just upheld in Idaho. And the Supreme Court said, no, there's no right to an abortion in the Idaho Constitution. There's no right to that here. And more specifically, what I like about the Idaho law, they have several laws. But in particular, yes, there are criminal statutes regarding abortionists. But as I just told you in other places, that's not always enough because some prosecutors will say, well, I'm not going to enforce the criminal law. And so Idaho did what the Texas law allows for. And that is for a civil suit. If you've been harmed by an abortion, for example, if you talk my daughter into an abortion, because, you know, we need, it's usually young women, by the way, that get pregnant. You know, it's only in a few years in a woman's life that she actually can get pregnant. So these women are intensively, intensively targeted. And it's, again, your tax dollars that are going into that. So this young woman gets an abortion, and that has to be my daughter. You just killed my grandchild. And thankfully, if that's in Idaho, I'm getting an attorney. Hey, if the county prosecutor doesn't care, fine. I'm getting a lawyer. Because I'm not going to let you get away with that. And that's called civil action. This right to civil action, again, it's only for people who've been harmed. In Texas, again, it's it's the one thing that the abortion industry is terrified about. Because in Texas, the doctors have been, killing doctors, have been under civil suit and they can't stop it. That is exciting because it's very much, uh, just by parallel, it's just like your right to defend yourself. You know, the police can't, uh, we, that's another issue, but the principle is the same. In America, as individual citizens, we've been given freedom, and we've also been given the right to stand for what's right. So that law in Idaho is very exciting. We know, because it's already now begun in Texas, and it was just upheld in Idaho. This is going to reduce abortions. Now, there are exceptions, and I, I'll take a moment just to explain. There are exceptions for the life of the mother, for rape or incest that are reported to the authorities. An important distinction, because rape is a crime. So giving out free abortions as an answer for this crime actually doesn't make sense. So if there's been a reported case of rape or incest, it, because often what happens is that Uncle Charlie are these pimps. 
these girls who are trafficked, you know, sex trafficking, they, I hate to say this, but they need abortions to keep those girls available. So this is all accommodating some great evil. But if it's reported to the authorities, then those are the exceptions. And so, yeah, we're, we're cognizant. We are compassionate. We're compassionate people. And you know, by nature, human beings are compassionate. And I think we want to remind the movement and our fellow citizens that this is a normal thing to be pro-life. The media wants to represent, oh, well, you're probably a radical Catholic, aren't you? Well, actually, no. Oh, well, then you're just some other religion. Well, but my religion's got nothing to do with this. Just said this. My religion has nothing to do with the fact that I hate fentanyl or that I hate anthrax. They kill people. Abortion is medical killing. That is what it is. And when we stick to those facts, you actually can, can win over people who... Again, they may not even go to your church or go to any church, but the facts are on our side. And I think the other point, too, here, Brian, and I want to kind of underscore this for the benefit of listeners as we continue to have these dialogues. And, and I've, I've had some people that have emailed and said, well, uh, Craig, I mean, you know, the Supreme Court came in and they struck down the faulty 73 Roe versus Wade decision. So why do you continue to harp on this topic? Well, I harp on the topic because it ain't over yet. California is a great example of that. We just talked a half hour ago about essentially taking the 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 law enforcement tool that had been used previously to intervene in sex trafficking cases and basically saying to law enforcement, yep, yep no more. If somebody is seen, if a woman is seen out on the street loitering, you can't go and stop and talk with them. You can't investigate. You can't intervene. You can't rescue them. You just have to leave them be. And so it, it's it's the cover of the law that's protecting the abusers and the Johns. And the notion that this is somehow over with with the Supreme Court reversing, pardon me, Roe versus Wade, just the opposite is true. In fact, the battle has been enjoined. Yes, there are some states that we've just mentioned, like Idaho, like Alabama, that are making concerted effort to stand for life. But then there are other states like our own, which kind of see it as an open season on life. And so we need to remain aware, vigilant engaged and realize part of the battle may have been won, but the battlefield has just simply shifted, which is the reason why organizations like the California Pro-Life Council, the National Right to Life Committee, is so vitally important that you stand with them, that you get educated, and then you have your voice counted. Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee. Appreciate the time. Information available on the web, californiaprolife.org. Life matters. It does indeed. You can catch the program Saturday mornings at 11 here on KFAX, 6 o'clock from KFAX. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.